This is Becky A. Davis, also known as the Chief Bosspreneur. Join me on March 26th for the Bosspreneur Business Breakfast at 9 a.m. at the Coca-Cola Company's headquarters for our bi-monthly networking event where women come from all over for us to connect, build relationships, and grow our businesses together. Registration is open right now. You can go to the Bosspreneur Business Circle dot com to learn more or get on the waiting list. Welcome to the Bosspreneur Podcast, Becoming More. I'm your host, Becky A. Davis. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want to make a bigger impact with your product, your service, or your message. So each week, I'll pull the curtain back and go inside and share about money, mindset and marketing ideas and strategies to help you become more. So let's jump in. On January the 29th, I had my Bosspreneur Business Breakfast, a networking event that I do every other month. And my guest was Brandy Harvey. We did an interview with her regarding her book, Breakthrough Soul Separately. So I want you to take a listen to my interview with Brandy Harvey. First of all, let me just say, um, when I started reading this book, the first chapter, I was like, God, dog. <laughs> I had a highlight writing up. Just the authentic and the transparency. Yeah. So what led you to even write the book? You know, the book is called Breakthrough Sold Separately. And the subtitle is Get Out of the Boat of Mediocrity and Walk on Water. And I tell people I was in my own boat of mediocrity. Uh, in 2017, I was fired from my job. Now, the, the interesting thing about this is I was fired by my father. Now, <laughs> most people in this Trump culture would believe that this nepotism would, you know, reign true. You know, that, girl, how you get fired by your daddy? <laughs> but I knew that I was tasked with something greater in my life, but he knew it too. And in order for me to achieve that, I had to get out. I had to go, I had to fly, I had to soar, but I had to do it my own way. Cause see, you know, when you work for somebody, you got to do it their way. Mm -hmm. And you know, sometimes you show up not want to do it their way. You know, you got your own way, you planning your own stuff at them people's job, you know, you are, <laughs> you doing all the things that you're not supposed to do on them people's time. And I was doing a lot of stuff that I wasn't supposed to do on his time. <laughs> and so it was time for me to go. But I also, you know, tell people, and this is in the beginning, in the intro of the book, you know, let this book serve as your freedom papers because I got free. And I really, you know, like to say in this culture that I'm like to Harriet Tubman of wellness because I got free, so I want other women to get free. Mm -hmm. You know, because I healed my life in so many areas, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally, I healed my life. And so I want other women, and especially black women, mm -hmm. to take control of their own healing, that we have that divine power within us. Yeah, I'm telling you, it, that was the, the first story started with her <laughs> being fired. And she like, okay, wait a minute. I thought we were going to talk or have a conversation about this. And so it pulled me in to really start to dig. And in that uh, uh, first part, you talk about losing to win and, yeah. and, and share what you talked about with your, your bodybuilder. I think that was such an amazing story because we go into um, a lot of things with an expectation 
And uh, if, when it doesn't turn out, uh, we, we either lose hope or it, it pushes push us forward. So share, share that where you had to lose to win. So I was an NPC fitness competitor. I don't know how many people are familiar with bodybuilding culture, national physique. They're like, hex now, girl. Uh, we working on it. Uh, <laughs> we working on it. <laughs> so it's a national physique committee is a bodybuilding federation, association. And so when I first moved here to Atlanta in 2007, I was like, I'd already been committed to my fitness since I was 19 years old. But I said, I want to up the ante. I want to compete. And I want to bodybuild. I want to transform my body. And so my father at the time was training with nine-time Mr. Olympia, Lee Haney. And so I asked Mr. Haney one day, I'm like, oh, could you train me? He was like, no, I'm not doing that. He was like, but I got somebody for you. And so I went to meet with he and his wife, and I did the consult, and I was like, oh, I'm ready to start. But when I started, you know how you gonna tell the trainer what to do? Cause you know that you, I don't really do lunges. You know, I was like, I don't, he was like, I need you to lunge down the back. I said, I don't really do lunges. <laughs> That's not really what I like to do. And so my last trainer, I could kind of trump her a little bit. You know, I could be like, nah, girl, I don't wanna do that. She'd be like, okay, let's just sit down. And how are you feeling today? And he was like, if you don't get down that floor and do them lunges. And I was like, okay, got it. <laughs> And, uh, but it took me nine months to train my body to get on stage. And of course, you know, you're like, I'm gonna win. I got vision boards on my mirror. I'm like, I'm like, oh girl, I'm gonna win. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take home the, the trophy. I'm gonna be the number one. And I got second place. But I love how you said, when he asked you, well, what do you, what's your goal? What do you want to do? And you said, well, in three months. Yeah, I'm ready to do it in three months. Yeah, in three months. <laughs> and he like. And he was like, okay, cool. Yeah, let's just start the process. <laughs> and what people, you know, in our mind, we have this immediate process that we think, I'm going to start the business. I'm going to start the fitness journey. I'm going to be fine and snatched by the summertime. And then here comes summer. And you're like, well, wait a minute. That wasn't quite what I thought. <laughs> and that was me. I thought three months, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be in tip-top shape. And it took me nine months to get on stage. And, but what it taught me so much about myself and with discipline and how I could focus my intentions and attention on something that I could skyrocket to the next level. And that's what losing to win really was about in the chapter. I really talk about you're going to have to lose some things in your life in order to win. You're going to have to lose some of the, the stories you've been telling mm -hmm. yourself. You're going to mm -hmm. have to lose the ideas that you've been having about yourself. You're going to have to lose the things that other people have put on you. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to lose the stigmas, the, the titles that people have put on you. Because so often we have these titles that have been put on us. Oh, you the smart girl. You the funny girl. You the ugly girl, you the martyr, you the this, you the that. All these things have been put on us since we've been children. And we've carried them around mm -hmm. with us. And because we've been carrying around this weight for so long, now when it's time for us to truly step into our greatness and our divine purpose, we got to lose some things in order to win. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's like the biggest takeaway from my life mm -hmm. was that I had to lose the story I was telling myself about my abandonment issues that I had with my father. I had to lose the stories that I was telling myself that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't pretty enough, that I wasn't smart enough, that I smiled too big, that my nose was too wide, all these things that I was telling myself. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't true mm -hmm. because the world had been waiting on something that God had placed in me. The world had been waiting for 37 years for me to put this book out. 
Uh -huh. And so the world has been waiting for you to do something great in your life as well, but you got to lose in order to win. And I, I think one of the, the, um, the things, great point, she wanted to do it in three months. It took nine months. How many of us put an expectation on something in business when it doesn't happen? We're like, well, I guess I'm not supposed to, as opposed to, okay, this is the process for me to get where I need to go. We'll just like, well, I was supposed to, that, I was supposed to already be there. Some of the things you talked about losing, I love this, the blessing blockers yeah, you gotta and lose, the distractions. Yeah, you got to lose the blessing blockers and you got to lose the distractions. Yeah. And most people don't, aren't really clear on what their blessing blockers are. Because some of your blessing blockers is laying next to you in the bed at night. Mm. Mm. I'm sorry, I was talking to somebody that, else. It wasn't, for them. It, was, it wasn't for them, it wasn't for somebody else. Some of the blessing blockers are some of the people that you're spending your time with. Some of the distractions in your life are some of the places that you keep going that are not gonna get you to your goals. Some of the distractions in your life are the hobbies, the activities that keep taping your time. You know, you like to Netflix and chill every night. Like, you can't watch a whole season every night. <laughs> you know, it's a distraction. You know? And that was one of the things as you were talking, that nine months, having to let all of that stuff go, because you had a goal that you were trying yeah. to get to and had to move some, uh, some things away that was distracting you. The other thing that I loved, oh, it's so many nuggets in here, girl. Okay, so you talked about, and this, this resonated with me personally, is because in my 30s, I started to do this. You talked about questioning everything. Yeah. Why do I believe what I believe? And do I really believe that? Yeah. Because I don't believe that now, but because we've been, to your point, told so many things. So why do we believe what we believe as it relates to questioning everything? I think in the sense of questioning everything, I think we have... So much of our culture has been what's been passed down to us. You know, and I had, I had to have this conversation with my own mom, you know, of why she believed, you know, the spiritual practices and religious stuff that she believed. It's like, well, why do you believe it? Well, my mother told me. And we were never taught to question what we believe. You just do what you're told. You, you, that my mama did it. My grandmama did it. And so it's, it's got to work. Mm -hmm. But you saw that it wasn't working for them. You saw the signs. You saw all the things that weren't quite panning out, and you said, I really want something different. But you were so afraid to question that because you said, well, I might not. Oh, Lord, what if I don't get into heaven? Oh, Lord. You know, you get all these things that you start to kind of put in your mind. But I think in order for you to have the life that you truly desire, you've got to be able to question what you believe and why you believe it. Because if it can't come to question, it's like, how true is it then? If you can't call into question mm -hmm. what you truly stand by and believe, how can you stand forward in front of a group of people? How can you stand forward when the time comes for you to say, this is why? You know, and most of us don't know how to do that because we've never taught to be seekers. We just taught to be like, you know, let's just go with the status quo. Mm -hmm. And I refuse to do that. You know, I found other ways to you know, enhance my life, you know, mm -hmm. even when it came to therapy. And I'm very open and vocal about my journey in therapy and why I stay committed to it every single week. It is my non-negotiable um, because it gets me to recalibrate my life. I get to talk to someone that's unbiased mm -hmm. about my life. Uh, but it also, as a business owner, you know, I have to recalibrate myself. Yeah. I have to get, you know, get centered again. And therapy does that for me. And in questioning my beliefs, I had to question why I wasn't open to it. Mm 
you know, because you've been churched your whole life. You've been told you just pray it away. You just leave it at the altar. Well, you left it at the altar, and somehow it still walked out the building with you. <laughs> <laughs> like, what you? I left you. I thought I left you she following me. When I was crying and falling out, I thought I left you there. Yeah. But yet it still took, I took you home with me because I didn't know really, that I didn't have the tools to really cope and understand how to manage it. You know, it's so funny, I was talking to a woman this morning and she was talking about being depressed. And she said, I didn't know that I was depressed. She's going through a divorce and she said, I didn't know that I was mm -hmm. depressed. I had to go look up the symptoms online. You know, yeah. and she said, but when I found out, I said, so did you ever think about going to therapy? And she said, I went to one session and you know how we do as black women, we think we just been to one and so we just don't have to go no more, I'm good. And I said, how's that working out for you? And she was like, it's not. And I said, so it's that part of us that mm -hmm. says something's not right, something's not going well for me, I don't feel good, but I'm not willing to do the things to help my life feel better. And mm -hmm. I wanted to do everything in my life to show up as the highest version of myself, mm -hmm. to show up as the best person that God had for me, mm -hmm. because I knew that there was more. Yeah. I knew I, that there was more. I, I, that, that question, everything, is, is so, um, so profound because when, uh, when you start to think about some of the things that you do and why you do those things, and then you really relate it to oh, I just do that because I've seen so-and-so do yeah. it. Or grandmama talked about that. Or So it's all these other things why we do it, but does it work for us, to your, to your point? Is this working for me? And we don't want to offend oh, Lord. anybody because <laughs> it's not working um, for me because what's the backlash that come with it so then we keep it the status quo? Yeah, we're so afraid, you know, to the fear keeps us stuck for too long. And we're so afraid because we've been making the same mistake. So we get stuck in a mistake. Because if I let go, if I leave, if I do something, what are they going to say about me? What are they going to think about me? Or when I show up to the Lynx meeting or the Jack and Jill meeting or the sorority meeting or the church meeting, what are they going to think? But when you go and stand before the throne, you're going to stand alone. When mm. Christ took the cross, he did it alone. And so if you are going to reach your highest potential, there's some things that you're going to have to do alone. You're going to have to walk the road alone. And so you're looking for somebody else's approval. You're looking for somebody else to give you the amen. You're looking for somebody to give you the verified. Well, God already stamped you verified. Mm. Stamped. Yet we still continue to see. You share a story about going to uh, a silent retreat. <laughs> I, I, I made my, a list of gifts for my, uh, that I wanted my husband to give me. It's like 50 things on the list. A silent retreat is one of them. So I was like, babe, you ain't got to ask me every, what you want for you. What I got a list for you now. I love you. So all you got to do is just pick some on the list. I'll, I'll still be surprised because I don't know what you're going to get. He was like, hurry up and get me the list then. Good. I put that silent retreat on, uh, on, the, on the list, but I put yours on. I had a different one, but I, when I looked up yours, I was like, okay. So that silent retreat, as I read through the book, was a tr total transformation yeah. um, for you as you talked about it. And you shared an experience with, um, and I want you to share this with us, you shared an experience about a question that they ask you sitting in front of someone else and having to ask the question, if God showed up in this form, could you love, could you accept the creator in this form, could you accept yourself 
as, your, as the divine and the experience you had from that? So after I got fired, um, you know, when, you know, your life gets shaken up, you're like, oh, Lord, I got to go do something. <laughs> now, in my mind, I was thinking I was going to have a Stella got your groove back moment. It was going to be on a beach somewhere with a cocktail and wine. But, you know, no, it was no man named Winston there. And, you know, I was, I was thinking, like, well, what am I going to do? And the Holy Spirit kept speaking to me to do the things you've never done. You've got to do, you know, to get the things you never had, you've got to do the things you've never done. And I decided to go to the mountains in Boone, North Carolina. It's five hours from Atlanta. Mm -hmm. It's called the Art of Living Center. And I did a five-day silent meditation retreat, five days in silence. And it was a life-changing experience. But at the last day, and I'm going to tell you, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. Because when I tell you, like, to sit by yourself, <laughs> that means you got to be with yourself. Yes. You ain't got no Instagram scroll time. You ain't got no book. You ain't got nothing. It's you and you. And it was so hard because I contemplated leaving while I was there. I was like, don't nobody really know you here like that. Leave. And, And the whole time I'm like, but you'll know you left. You'll know you didn't finish. And so we get to the last day. And we had to do a meditation across from another person. But during the meditation, you rotated. There was another person. The center circle moved, but we stayed the same. And by, uh, they did this meditation. They said, you are looking at the divine. You are looking at the divine. If God showed up in this form, could you accept God? Could you accept yourself? No matter the color, no matter the race, no matter the sexual orientation, if God showed up in this form, could you accept God? Could you accept yourself? And so the first person sits down and, you know, we have that exchange because you're quiet. You're only looking at the person in the eyes. You say nothing. You're being guided. And the next person comes to sit in front of me. His name is Nippon. And we had been seeing each other and kind of sitting next to each other in meditation the whole time I was there. But, of course, we never talked. But when he sat down in front of me, he was already crying. And so, of course, you're like, you can't help but cry because somebody else is crying. And you're kind of feeling that emotion. You're feeling that energy. And the meditation instructor is like, you are looking at the divine. If the divine, if God showed up in this form, could you accept God? Could you accept yourself? And in that moment, I knew that I could. Because I knew in that moment that I was God embodied on the planet. I was the divine embodiment of God. And if God showed up in this form as a black woman with 4C kinky hair locks, if if God showed up in this way, could I accept God? But could I accept myself? And another person came, but I was standing on the mountain you know, at the end of that experience, and I got what I came there for. And I said, Brandy, if you left, you never would have got this. If you walked away, you never would have got that. And I think that's the thing that you can take in your life. Some of us walk away too soon. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we don't get the thing that God had us to get. We don't get the blessing that God had for us because we're we're walking away too soon. Mm -hmm. And we contemplate walking away. We know that, oh, Lord, it's going to be too hard. It's not enough. But I knew that in that moment, I was looking at the divine. Mm -hmm. I was looking at God. I was God. I am God embodied on the planet. And when you recognize that, you'll walk different, talk different. You'll show up different in the world. You will treat people different because you know Mm -hmm. that they, too, are God. Mm 
-hmm. They're in the form of God. So then why would you mistreat? My husband laughs at me, y'all. That, that ain't that powerful? Because I said I want to go to a silent retreat, and he was like, you, not talk. Three days. Listen, listen. <laughs> let me tell you, my sister, when I, when I booked the retreat, my sister's sitting right here. When I booked the retreat, I came, I was like, so I'm going on a silent meditation. She was like, why, friend, why? <laughs> why, why would you want to do that? That just don't sound like nothing I would want to go spend my money to do. I know, and my husband said the same thing. He said, can I go incognito just to see it? Like, man, quit. Um, so another, another uh, part in this book that I thought was really great, you talked about being on a girl's trip with your friends and something that Ariel said that I was like, I sat and started thinking about it. I was like, but that is so um, true when she said, well, you tell us what she said. So we were actually celebrating my sister's bachelorette weekend. Everybody was here in Atlanta. Um, this was in 2015, and we were closing out. We were having a brunch, and we were all talking, and Patrice was there. You know, all the girlfriends were there, and Arielle is somebody who I've known since I was a child. We've been friends, childhood friends, and we're talking about why people settle in their lives. And she said something that really stood out to me. She said, I think people are just programmed for less. We're programmed for less. From birth, we're programmed to accept less. And especially as black women, we take less. We say, oh, we're not, oh, we don't have to, no, I, I don't have to get that. No, that's yours, you, I don't need that. No, I don't, really, I don't really want a man with money, but you do. <laughs> Y'all gotta start having real conversations. You gotta with start yourself. having real conversations. If you don't have real conversations, you're gonna be stuck. Mm -hmm. And it really is like we're programmed for less. So we're programmed to accept less. We're programmed to accept less money. We're programmed to not get paid for what we do. We're programmed to not maximize our gift. And, um, and that was the part that stuck with me. And I mean, it, like, yeah. it was like that earthquake, you know, that shock that stays with you. Mm -hmm. So it tremored in my life because it was like, man, we really are. We have been programmed for less mm -hmm. in our lives. And until we reprogram, and deprogram ourselves, we'll continue to get less mm -hmm. in our lives. Less money, less love, less of what we desire, less of what our intentions really are, we'll get less. I remember when I was in corporate America and um, I realized my salary was lower than <laughs> some of my peers. And so I was like, I'm gonna go fight for my, my money. But then I was a little nervous because I was like, what if I go and fight? And they say, well, Becca, we can, you want to go ahead and leave? We can bring someone else in. Y'all know how we do. So I was, I'm like, should I, Becca, no, you're going to go and you're going to fight for your money. And so when I went, because I know the, the company, I'm going and asking for money off cycle of a raise. But I go in and I talk to my boss about it. He hears what I said. I bring him all the results. You can't tell me no one has done this. And this is what I'm getting paid. And he was like, well, I'll get back with you. And then when he got back with me, I was way lower than what other people, because what I asked for, he brought it up even higher. But what if I would have never asked? What but if, I was literally exactly. in my mind program thinking, you know, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. They're and not going to really recognize me. They might I might lose me. my job. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, what if I don't have no job? Yeah. I just need my job. What else going to do? What else going to do, y'all? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, program for less, program yes. for plantation, program for that. Mm -hmm. And that's how we have to reprogram ourselves. And it's, it is not to, you know, 
take away from the life that you have because the life that you have is beautiful and wonderful. It's just how do I enhance it? How do I take it to the next level? Mm -hmm. How do I raise the bar in my life? How do I level up? I have all that power. And we put the power on somebody else. Mm -hmm. We say, well, I'm going to wait on somebody else to recognize me. I'm going to wait on somebody else to do it. I'm going to wait. And in the waiting, we're losing. In the waiting, we're second guessing. In the waiting, we're self-sabotaging. In the waiting, we have all these feelings of inadequacy. But what if I just reprogram myself today instantly to say, I deserve more, I want to live more, I I'm already loved, I'm already safe, I'm already protected, God already has got me. Everything I'm doing, everything is working together for my good. How can so. I lose? God is only a God of winning. God is only a God of winning. So if you serve a winning God, you say you serve God, God only operates in winning. God has no losses. It on only now. is winning seasons. So if you say you serve a big God, then why can't you get big blessings? Mm -hmm. Why can't you? It's your birthright. Mm -hmm. Big is your birthright. Love is your birthright. Success is your birthright. It's the reason why you've been sent here to earth. It's to live out the biggest, highest calling of your life. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you go get that? Why mm. would you second guess it? And why would you play yourself small or little in the process? You're deserving of everything that God has for you. Y'all ready to read this book, ain't you? Uh, come on now. y'all ready to read this book, ain't you? <laughs> so I'm going to ask this question, and then I'm going to open it up for the audience to, uh, to ask some questions. One of the things, uh, here's another one that I love, too. Uh, because you were talking about uh, Matthew 14 and Peter walking on the water, one of the things you said, your breakthrough is always going to show up in the form of an invitation. Of an invitation. That is just a total mental shift that, oh, I got a breakthrough. Wait, there's going to be an invitation for you to show up, are you gonna accept the invite? Talk about that. You know, we have a standing invite to greatness. It's a standing invite. It never closes, it's never shut off from us. God has a standing invite. And the moment we're really ready to accept it, we walk right into it. You know, and I use the, the, the story of Matthew 14 of Jesus walking on water because Jesus wasn't the only one who walked on water. Peter walked on water too. Now the invitation came because the winds are crashing, it's chaos around, there is a storm, and the disciples are on the boat and they say, oh, hold up, that's, that's got to be a ghost. Is it, is, is, if, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. Here's the invitation, come. The invitation is simple, the invitation is direct, you cannot miss it, Jesus says come. So what does Peter do? He gets out of the boat and proceeds to walk on water. Now, he only sinks when his faith sinks. He only sinks when his faith wanes. So if you are a person of faith, you got all of the ability to walk on water. And the power of Jesus is that Jesus lived his life in such a way that he showed us how to do it. Mm -hmm. He didn't say, oh, I'm gonna do this over here. I ain't really about that life. No, I'm really about this life and you should just follow me. Yes. These works I do also, but greater than me. You can walk on water too. I'm gonna show you how, here's the invitation. And so when God says, okay, here it is. You've been invited to the boss women breakfast. Now what are you going to do? 
You got the invite. You showed up in the room. You got everything you need, but now how are you going to get your breakthrough? The breakthrough is so separate. So you come I to these things it. and you think I that the breakthrough it. is included. You go to the retreat, you go to the summit, and you think that the breakthrough is included. But the breakthrough so separately. You got to pay extra for that. You got to work harder for that. You got to get out of the boat for that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I'm not going to preach it up here. <laughs> that was my interview with Randy Harvey at the Boston or Business Breakfast in January. If you are not able to make it to that one, I have one coming up on March the 26th at 9 a.m. at the Coca-Cola headquarters in Atlanta, Georgia. We will be having our next networking event and I will be the presenter. We're doing it old workshop style. So we're going to go through some principles of business and helping you to put some of those principles in place for your business. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at Bosspreneur. B-O-S-S-P-R-E-N-E-U-R. And you'll learn more about the Bosspreneur Business Circle. I share training, workshops, speaking engagements. Plus, I'll share with you some videos and information to help you become more. You can go to the BossPreneurBusinessCircle.com. That's B-O-S-S-P-R-E-N-E-U-R. BusinessCircle.com or BeckyADavis.com.